because I feel it. <laughs> feel the whiskey. And he's pouring about half of the bottle in his and half in mine. So well, those those are two ounce samples. So you're you're putting down a good chunk of whiskey this evening. <laughs> oh, okay. You're you're doing a great like, job. God, yeah. I'm such a lightweight. No, no, you're <laughs> You're muscling through. That's that's a that's a lot. <laughs> so what's a what's a normal uh, drink? A one ounce glass? Uh, one. I mean, normal's normal. Um, it's hard to describe. So tastings, I try to keep it at about a half ounce. Um, especially if you're going to be drinking, um, you know, three or more. Uh, if it's just a, a good glass at the end of the day, I'll go an ounce and a half to two. And just sip it slow for a good chunk of time, uh, two ounces to four ounces with the cigar. So, so you're saying that what we are sampling here, four ounces, is a, a night on the town. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In an hour. You're, I wonder you're, I'm feeling the way. I... Yeah, you're a champ right now, Jamie. You're you're a trooper. <laughs> All right, you ready to get back? Yeah, I'm putting that part in. All right, okay. Oh, well, I'll 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 say it again once we start. Well, I need everyone to know how we'll how good I'm again. doing. We'll say it again. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's start again in three, two, one. How long have you been in the Navy? Oh, me blow me life. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And together we are E14. We have 40 years of naval service. And each week we discuss a potpourri of topics, which we like to call smoke pit topics. These are real world topics that concern us, our marriage, and our Navy with a sailor twist. So join us each week as we dive into the deep end. Booyah! Hey everybody, welcome back to E14 Podcast. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And together we are E14. And today we have with us... Da, 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 da. Oh, Heath. We got Ian McGlynn, U.S. Army, 20 plus years, service to our great country. And he is on the Why Whiskey Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Ian. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. I'm absolutely just stoked to be here and chatting with you all tonight oh man it's pleasure's all here can you tell us a little bit about yourself real quick well hold on let me oh. put out the disclaimer oh, yeah, first because you know oh. the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of our own and not the united states navy or the united states army <laughs> you know what that means right or our respective commands True. don't forget that part you know yeah. what that means though go ahead you can take it or leave it you get so excited about That's that my favorite part <laughs> so back to where i was ian can you please tell us a little bit about yourself buddy uh sure um uh married my high school sweetheart been in the uh before we joined the army been in the army for 20 years i'm a parachute rigger by trade uh, i've got five kids uh most of them are adults are about to be adults out on their own which is wonderful so all of them got the wow. opportunity to grow up in the army i have a abnormal uh, appreciation and uh, love of history uh, which is only second to my abnormal appreciation and love of whiskey, which is why I, I do the, the podcast that I do. So, Awesome, man. Thanks for that. So before we go any further, please, let's just take a break for a word from our sponsors. This is Vice. Request permission to entertain the audience with a limerick. A limerick, you say? 
Entertain us, you shall. If you want to make money for your show, get off your ass and search for Podgo. A simple way to make some cash and get a sponsor for your podcast. Apply online is all you do. Then Podgo will reply in a week or two. Is it really that easy? Well, if I did it, then it must be so. Type P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. One more request, if it pleases the vice. Okay, fine. Proceed if you will. For all who request a Podgo account, tell them E14 Podcast is how you found out. All right. Thanks for coming back with us. Uh, so Ian did an awesome thing. We hooked up this podcast uh, collaboration and he sent me a few samples of whiskey. Hey, can you tell me a little bit about them? You want to hold it for a secret or what? Hold it for later. Um, so that's uh, up to you. What I'd like to do, what I normally do is we'll go, uh, we'll talk about the one that we're drinking and we'll kind of go down the line. I like that yeah. idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think right. we should start a pour. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. So grab, so we, grab number one. Number okay. one. Okay. So for the, uh, while Heath is pouring, I'm going to let everyone know that I am not a whiskey drinker. So Ian's going to be talking me a novice whiskey uh, connoisseur. <laughs> through this so if you do not drink whiskey follow my lead so she's a weak ass <laughs> uh, so we're starting off with a great introductory whiskey uh, i noticed uh heath you're you're an irish whiskey guy so i went with one of my favorite irish whiskeys uh coming out of the middleton distillery in cork county ireland this is powers gold label so powers gold label that's kind of like their their bread and butter their their main uh, uh, line that comes out, it comes in at 86.4 proof. So we're starting low and we're going to work our way up in proof a little bit. So the first thing we want to do is uh, a lot of people like to look at the color. Whiskey is just pretty. It, it's beautiful. It Photographs well, looks great it in is. glass. It's just got that awesome color. So it's super pretty. Um, if you swirl your glass around a little bit, you can see what they call are the legs. You'll see the whiskey kind of stick to the side and slowly kind of work its oh, way yeah. down the side of the glass. All the legs are going to do is tell you what it's going to feel like in your mouth. If you've got super slow running legs that come down nice and easy, it's going to kind of feel a little bit more oily and coat your mouth a little bit more. If it comes down real fast, it's going to be a little bit thinner and watery. So uh, after we look at it, we want to smell it before we drink it. So when we, when we nose whiskey, we want to do this super weird thing and it's awkward as hell. Uh, We want to breathe in with our nose and our mouth at the same time. Now we don't want to like snort it, right? Uh, but we want to <laughs> breathe in nice and just take in all the aromas that our oral factors you know, just kind of you, do. You know, Ian, it helps because I'm already a mouth breather. So this is kind of natural <laughs> to me. Perfect. So we, uh, wine has legs. So whiskey yeah. has legs also. So I didn't Absolutely. know that. Yep. You, you know, I'm glad you said to do it with your mouth open because when I smelled it with just my nose, it was kind of like, Ugh. It's different though. It's <laughs> yeah, different but when you, when you open your mouth, it's a lot lighter and you can actually uh, smell flavor. That's why I mouth breathe because, you know, it's a little, that's. Yeah, you really get, I mean, you can get a lot of the whiskey about what you're about ready to experience um, before you even taste it, before it hits the palate. So uh, we want to do this in three sips. Three sips are going to give us really the full, uh, gamut of what we're expecting. The first sip for any whiskey, all it's doing is getting your tongue ready to receive the alcohol. So we don't want to base whether we like it or not off the first sip. Uh, we just want to take that sip, let it go, kind of roll it around our tongue and then swallow it down. So cheers, friends. Salut. Coughing is okay, Jamie. 
Thanks. There she is. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, well, can I tell you a quick story real quick, Ian? Please. So, so we went to Jamie deployed in 2016, two months after we got married, right? She got deployed to Djibouti, Africa. And, and halfway through that deployment, I got took some leave. She got some time off and we went to Dublin. Love mm. Dublin. So, but I always hear when you go to Ireland, when you order Irish whiskey, get it straight. Don't ask for nothing with it because they don't like that. No, they'll definitely give you a hard time about that. No. And that's one of the awesome things about uh, Irish or, uh, excuse me, Powers is uh, one of their, you know, their, their catches is they are a celebration and distillation. A lot of whiskeys celebrate how they age. They celebrate their barrels. They uh, Powers really focuses on the the grains that they use uh this is a this particular one is a blended whiskey and and how it's the distillate they focus on the distillate being front and center and not necessarily the barrel because there's a lot of whiskey uh, drink that tastes like oak you know and yeah that's, that's true and that's true this i noticed that with a lot of irish whiskeys like uh other irish whiskey doesn't you don't get it's not as oaky as a lot of the other stuff the legs Very are true. still going down my esophagus <laughs> i still feel the <laughs> burn going but down back, back to the story real quick so I knew that and I knew you shouldn't do that. You no, know, asked for a mixer with your Irish whiskey. So I said, Jamie, can I get you a drink? She goes, Yeah, can I get a Jameson and Sprite? I'm like, God dang it. Whiskey <laughs> in the bar. Oh, shit. So, but I did it. You know, she's my wife and I love her. So it was a female bartender. I said, Yes, ma'am. Can I get a, a Jameson and Sprite? He goes, uh, Can I give you a nipple with that? Yes. I was like, You got me. Yeah. It's not for me, though. She goes, Sure. She goes, Sure, it's not. Sure, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like the story. Yeah, play, blame it on the party you're here with. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I found about the whiskey community, though, really, the folks that are are in it uh, to win it, they they don't really care about how you drink it, uh, just as long as you're drinking it. However you right. enjoy it is is the best way for you. And uh, you get a lot of people that snub and scoff. Um, I've watched yeah. people take $2,000 whiskey and mix it in with Coke that personally, like financially, I feel like that was a bad decision. So, Hey, that's, that's on them. You know what I mean? You could have bought some bottom shelf stuff. You're going to mix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For real. <laughs> How would so, you compare Jameson? I mean, powers to like Jameson. Uh, I prefer powers more. Uh, right. So funny thing is they come out of the same distillery. Okay. So, I didn't know that. Jameson. Yeah. Jameson powers. Uh, Red Breast, there's, there's about five or six different labels of Irish whiskey that all come out of the Middleton distillery. And uh, the recipes are what kind of make them distinct and then how they create their barrels and age their barrels and then age is oh, there. Wow. So, so for me with, with Powers, and we're, we're about to get into a different product of theirs, um, how they age it is where it really makes the difference for me yeah, personally. Yeah. And uh, I think it's better. Um, the only exception to that would be the black barrel uh yeah. black barrel is yeah, yeah yeah it's pretty legit so i haven't had it yet oh, i've been i've been on their ipas recently with a they're, they're yep. aged in uh craft beer barrels mm -hmm. yep it's pretty good i killed a bottle uh well i didn't have the whole weekend but i just finished it i started it last weekend and i enjoyed it it was good <laughs> So have you taken another sip yet, Jamie? No, I haven't well, because I was waiting for Ian to walk me through it. Okay. <laughs> so, Please. so with this sip, um, what I want you to do is I want you to take a little bit more time uh, with it in your mouth. I want you to really kind of focus on making sure it gets all of the surfaces of your tongue. And then after you, after you swallow it, I want you to kind of breathe out nice and slow. 
Uh, here is where we're going to try to find flavors. We're going to see what comes out to us. And the beautiful thing about whiskey is that it has no subjective or excuse me, objective language. Um, it has, so whatever you taste is what you taste. And, and there's no, there's no wrong answers. People like hunt for like, Oh, I, yeah. I think I need to taste this. No. What are you tasting? Uh, so, so go ahead with the second one, coat your whole tongue, let it in and then breathe it out nice and slow. I don't know what I'm tasting. Okay. So let me, uh, so for me, um, I get, uh, kind of dried apples a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, if you've had those, you know, those, they come in the little packages of like trail mix and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I get, you know, those, uh, Pepperidge farm, like really crumbly shortbread cookies. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like those, so those yeah. are the two notes that really kind of jump out to me, um, for these, I, the, the dried apples and then the, the shortbread cookies. Damn, that's deep. I got a little bit of citrus, but that was mostly what I got. Uh, I can definitely see the apples toward the end. I did get a little bit of apple. I didn't notice it until you brought it up, but uh, I didn't do the cookie thing, but I don't eat a lot of those, so they're not in my head, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I just uh, taste whiskey. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize, Ian. My I'm unrefined so palate. <laughs> We're dealing with noobs here. <laughs> yeah, this tastes whiskey. No, um, what I noticed uh, with, with it coating my tongue, though, it was uh, almost like a a peppery kind of of burn on my tongue so like okay not burn but um you know just like, like a spice it's like it's spicy, spicy yes yeah yeah yes that's so that's, that's a common thing yeah no and you'll oh, you'll okay. actually with with another one that we're gonna have here later in the evening that'll be that'll probably be a little bit more uh bold the, oh, nice. the spiciness so you'll nice. yeah Yes, you'll, you'll definitely pick up on that. All right, so the third one, we're going to go right to it. We're not going to wait for too much longer. Now, this one, we're going to do a little something uh, a little bit different. Uh, with this one, we're going to put the whiskey in our mouth. We're going to hold it there, and we're going to chew, all right? And then okay. and then we're going to swallow, all right? So just trust me, uh, do that, and then we'll talk about it when you're done. Just uh, chew, you know, three to five seconds. Can you hear me swallow? I'm, I'm chewing too. I know they can hear me chewing through this uh, mic, like I'm eating a steak. <laughs> I was good. Well, that that feels different. Actually, that's totally different. So, what you just did is you activated a lot of the esters and the alcohol um, in your mouth by that motion. It kind of opens everything up. What that's really great for is uh, you're at a bar with friends. They come in. They're like, "Oh, I got the next round." They come in and they put you know glasses of whiskey in front of you. Um, so before you, you shoot that sucker down, get a little bit in your mouth, give it a chew, the hotter it is, the stronger that whiskey is. So that can kind of help you gauge whether you need to be shooting that or sipping that nice and slow. Maybe that's the only one for you that evening. So <laughs> just, that's your indicator for, wow, this is really, really strong. I need to kind of take it easy, you know? So, uh, so that just kind of lets you know what the alcohol is doing, uh, as far as like the strength goes. So. So would you say this is a strong one or is this a lighter one? I think right. Ian? Like, I mean, I'm in the, in the oh, grand God. terms of whiskey, where, where would this particular one fall? This would sit on the lower end at, at okay. 86 proof. You're so whiskeys uh, have to be 80%, uh, you know, 40 ABV or 80 proof yeah. um, to be classified as whiskey. So at a minimum, 
And uh, so, so that's kind of your, your bottom end range. And there's people that think the higher in proof, the bolder, the flavors, a lot of, it, it, I don't know about that. Uh, my happy place is in that 95 to 105 range. Um, but for yeah. Irish whiskeys, that 85 to, to 92 range is where I get all the, the great flavors. So this would okay. be on the lower end uh, for me, but for somebody who hasn't drank whiskey before, even starting at 80 is going to feel hot. I was going to say, this is this is this is tough yeah. <laughs> like, I feel we're, like, I we're kicking our ass yeah, no. <laughs> wait till we get through all the rest of them no but I, I just continuously feel it coming down my my throat and down you know it's warm very yeah. warm I have a feeling that I'm the last three the last two I might be doing by myself <laughs> She's gonna be passed out. We got to muzzle her. She's gonna be talking shit. <laughs> so they, they call that a Kentucky hug. That that nice warm feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. They call that the the oh. Kentucky hug. So, oh wow, that's interesting. Cool. That's good. It's good. I like it. I'm glad I picked this. I really enjoy power powers. Mm-hmm. You can yeah, find them a lot. Uh, very easy. The the their main three, um, which is the gold label, the three swallow, and the John Slane. Uh, very easily accessible in most states, uh, relatively uh, comparably priced, shouldn't be too, too bad. And, uh, and they're just great. They're, and they're excellent to, to mix. So if you're a cocktail person, they hold up beautifully in cocktails and they're also incredibly to, you know, to, to sip neat. So playing with your whiskey is super important. And for new whiskey drinkers, that's the one thing I can say is don't just take it as is. Uh, I'm a neat drinker, a lot of people aren't a lot of people like to mix it um they like to mm-hmm. mix with ginger ale or seltzer water or yeah. you know uh an ice cube and a drop of water i've got a little water dropper that i keep here on the desk uh can totally change what you're drinking a couple drops yeah. of water oh water yeah for a few sure. minutes totally opens the whiskey up <clears throat> proves it down just a little bit and you get a whole different whiskey in your glass than you had from you know from the time you poured it to then so it really really uh don't don't shove off on a whiskey. It's like, oh, that's gross. Give it a second, let it breathe, add some water, play with it. And you you might surprise yourself that right. some of the whiskeys that you think are horrible are actually pretty, pretty good. You I'm just not a straight drinker or, or a neat drinker at all. I, I am a very mixed person. And um and this made it more tolerable the way that you told us to drink it. No, it changed it. It was a game changer for sure. Yeah. Well, great. Definitely. That's that's good news. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I, uh, let's move to number two before I, uh, while I'm pouring, if you could tell me a little bit, I mean, I want everybody to know kind of background, your service, where you're from and what got you into the army. Sure. Uh, grew up in Michigan. Um, got married, uh, halfway through our senior year in high school and, uh, kind of got into a, a spot where, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of options. So I was like, screw it. Let's, uh, let's get the hell out of here. Let's join the army. We were going to do five and fly. And, uh, uh, and that didn't end up being a thing. <laughs> <20 years laughs> later, we're, we're still here. So, so yeah. Um, I picked parachute rigger because they told me I got to jump out of airplanes and, you know, deal with parachutes. And I thought that was pretty cool. They sold me. They got me good. That was a good recruiter. Um, <laughs> gotcha. although, yeah, and initially the, the job was, uh, was pretty challenging and, and had its unique, uh, issues. Uh, but at the end of the day, I've done some of the most incredible things throughout my career. So started with the 82nd airborne division, uh, went up to Alaska, spent some time in the use side of the house, uh, was an instructor down at the free fall school, spent, uh, 
up until last summer, I was at uh, West Point at the military academy. I was the NCOIC of their parachute team there, wow. which was uh, an unbelievable. That's that's a dream assignment for, for yeah. my career. I got I'm so lucky, so so lucky, and now I am up here at the uh, Army Futures Command, the Soldier Center, um, working with uh, new and upcoming parachute systems. Hopefully, to that our troops will see in about five to ten years. So that's awesome, man. So you're in. It's Massachusetts you're uh, in now, right? That's where you're yep. located. Dude, I tell you, um, I remember your, and this is a great episode. Anybody's listening, uh, that Why Whiskey podcast with the, uh, talking about General Sherman, that was a awesome, awesome episode. Uh, but you talked about how you remember, you thought it was awesome that you jogged around the same area that William Sherman was training while you were stationed over at West Point, right? Yeah. That, that, that's a lot. That's historic as hell. You know, that's, 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 but as, I'm uh, as enlisted. You're in, I'm, I'm assuming you're enlisted, right? Yes. Okay. As guys, senior enlisted guys, we, we hold on to that heritage. Mm-hmm. It's yes. important. So when you're walking in the footsteps or walking the same ground that somebody like Sherman, Sherman walked, it's gotta just be, ah, you're in awe. When you think it, about it. it. Absolutely was. Um, my, my whole passion for history started uh, when I was 13. We went on this, this two week long vacation where, you know, my mom was was destined to educate us in all things American history. So we went to Gettysburg and my my folks are theater majors. So I grew up in, oh, wow. you know, uh, a very drama filled household. We, you know, so we watched the movies Gettysburg and and the theatrical part of that movie kind of tugged some heartstrings. And then to stand uh, in the spots where these events happened really kind of solidified my passion for that. So here, you know, uh, years and years down the road, I'm now standing where those names and even more, you know, you think about the folks who graduated, you've got, uh, you know, we go look at the Civil War, um, early Reynolds, Grant, uh, yeah. you know, Robert E. Lee was actually the superintendent of the military academy for a few years, but right before huh. the Civil War, you know, wow, he, yeah. he left that job to go and, you know, he became a colonel and then shortly after bounced um, for the Confederacy. So, uh, and then you've got, you know, up to modern day, um, folks who have all been there and where we would practice every day was right there on the marching field in the middle of the academy. And that is the same marching field that those, you know, heroes of American history of right. service marched as cadets. That's, so that's we're, I'm landing a parachute on the same place that wow. Ulysses S. Grant marched as a cadet, you know, um, that, and he great. didn't march very well. He wasn't very good. He wasn't a good cadet. He was, he was a mediocre cadet, but became a great leader down the road. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was, and then to, to touch the things that they touched, um, uh, Robert E. Lee's desk from when he was the superintendent is actually still there uh, in the superintendent's house. Like the bottom floor of his house is a museum, basically. Oh, and wow. So, so his actual desk is still there. And, and I did. I, I don't think I was supposed to. So, but I did anyway. I went up, I touched it, and I was like, oh, this, you know, just that, <laughs> that connection to history yeah. is, is so cool. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's awesome, man. That's crazy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I'm just going to ramble. So, so please. <laughs> no, uh, I, I feel you like when I, I went to the senior enlisted Academy in Rhode Island, uh, they're actually uh, more than just a Navy goes there. Uh, Army has been there, Air Force, mm-hmm. Marine Corps go to that senior enlisted Academy. Um, but to some of the old Mick ponds, master chief petty officer of the Navy come out there. That's like our lead enlisted person for the U S Navy, right? Uh, yeah. You guys call them something else, uh, our majors, but yeah, Sergeant major of the, yeah. of the army or whatever. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I met number seven, number seven shooter show. So McPond number seven, Dwayne Bushy. And we had a little 
the Chiefs and above had a little little uh, meet and greet, if you will, over at the Chiefs club. And he was there drinking a beer. I sat down and talked to him. He, we talked for about a half hour, but he don't remember who the hell I am, but I remember that for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> he, he was one of, the, one of the originals, you know, that paved the way. And it was, it was just that little piece of history of what, you know, him doing what he did when he did it is uh, it's just freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll remember that forever. The, the connections to uh, veterans and, and legit heroes uh, that I've gotten the opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, I've I, Medal of Honor winners. Um, you know, we had uh, some of the easy company guys. We had a ball uh, back. Oh, I, was, I think it was a man. I think it was a private first class. And I went to the, the rigor ball that they had there at Fort Bragg. And the, there was three remaining guys from easy company, the band of brothers folks um, that were there. And we got, to oh, yeah. and these, these dudes are outside drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes at, you know, 80 and 90, you know, and I'm like, man, these guys are badass. And, uh, you know, we watched a clip of the show. Uh, they were the guest speakers and they came up and they're like, yeah, they almost got it right. If they would have doubled the amount of flack that <laughs> shot at us, that would have been about perfect. And I was like, God bless, you know, <laughs> you know but I would not never have gotten the opportunity to, to have that interaction with, with these heroes, um, in, in any other place. So it's yeah. it, the history connection that the services brought me has been, phenomenal just uh, just unreal awesome awesome that's great that's great well that's uh what we drinking now what's number two number two so we're we're sticking with powers for now we are going to their this is the john's lane release so this is kind of like their top uh tier release this is 12 years old this is a single pot still it's a blend of uh malted and unmalted barley this should feel different now it is the, ex- well, excuse me, it's just a little bit higher. So this comes in at 92 proof. Um, so uh, so there, there will be a little uptick in heat, but good thing is, is our mouths are already kind of warmed up to receive uh, alcohol. Yeah. So this should not be as- Yeah, I feel great. As the first. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. She's ready, Ian. Let's do the it. The legs, the legs are running. Well, the legs are running about the same- um, Speed, speed down the glass as yep. the first one. So yep. it's that it means it's a little oily, a little bit, a little bit. So this this should feel a little bit different yep. in your mouth, just just a little bit. Okay. When you're ready. I'm ready when you are. Yeah. Okay. So right off the get go. A lot of the what you're the difference in what you're tasting <laughs> is the pot. You still. saw me shake. <laughs> I did. I did. That was intense. Say it. Say it. Say, say again, Ian. The what? It's the pot still. So a pot still wow. is. Uh, it's a. It's got a big pot on the bottom. It's got a real long neck, and then it comes. The coil comes mm. off the top. So a single pot still is where. That's where Irish whiskey makes its money. So a lot of places are using column stills, and they those look. Uh, they're long, they're very tall, cylindrical, and they've got a bunch of little windows uh, going up the top. So multiple layers of distillation happening all at once. You can produce a lot more whiskey that way. So um, a lot of your scotches, it's also called a coffee still, um, which was made by a guy in Ireland back in like the 1830s, 1840s. And none of the Irish whiskey makers wanted it. They're like, no, get that shit out of here. So the scotch was like <laughs> the folks up in Scotland. They're like, we'll take it. Um, and then scotch yeah. ends up <laughs> painting Irish whiskey for being like the premier whiskey uh, of the world. So, um, uh, but yeah, so this uh, is what you're tasting. You're tasting. This is, um, 
triple uh, or excuse me, a yeah, triple distilled single pot still. And that's really that the feel, it feels a little bit different in your mouth. And that's really where that's mm -hmm. coming from is how it's distilled. Nice. So you talked about your mom was big on history, right? Mm -hmm. On teaching you kids history. So after that, did you just keep falling and keep learning and keep researching stuff? Did it happen more before the army or after you joined the army? So hard research happened after um, it, I, I always had a passion for it. So I'd always read anytime we got a chance to go uh, stop at a, a civil war battlefield or a museum or anything like that. Um, and then in the museums, I'm, I'm the guy that reads like almost everything. So mm -hmm. you know, my wife is dragging the kids through and yelling at me to hurry the hell up and, you know, <laughs> Because, you know, the the little button that was on a uniform of a dude 20 years ago was sitting right there. And I'm like, oh, look at that. It's a button. And she's like, it's a fucking button. Who cares? You know? So, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. But I uh, decided that history was going to be something I do with my life forever. Um, and I, I decided that in uh, 2006, I made the, the decision and then kind of tailored, started uh, my college career <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. at the age of 26. Which is still active today, and oh, yeah. uh, and going through, and really kind of that's when I started really kind of getting into the meat and potatoes of history. That's awesome because you actually are. I can tell that you like it when you when you do your history. Very passionate, passionate about it, and you actually you seem like you're you're almost telling us you're not reading it. It's like you've done your research, and the way you put it out is like you're just telling us this stuff. You're not reading from a book or from a mm -hmm. encyclopedia or from the internet. Your, so uh, you've digested, you digested it and it taken and, it in. Right. It's, it's fluid. It's very good. I enjoy, I enjoy the hell out of it, honestly. Well, thank you. It's, it's awesome. And the, it's not the big stuff. Everybody knows the big stuff. You know, you look at characters in history all throughout and uh, you know, you know, these people did this big thing, but, right. and where I, where I find joy is I want to know like the little things uh, with, with Sherman, for instance, um, the correspondence between him and his wife was phenomenal like that's where that's where you got the picture of who he was who she was and what what the civil war was really all about for him um he was a badass who went and destroyed the south you know from mississippi to freaking savannah um but the guy really was a very caring and loving husband who struggled with mental health throughout the war you know very very like for he had to take a time out actually for a couple of years yeah um, and and these stories are captured and his wife was really worried about you know his his mental health and him maintaining his mental health and yeah. which kind of drove him to do what he did in the south you know so it's it's those little stories those little the diaries the journals the the yeah, things yeah. that you don't read in textbooks those that's where that we miss so much because they just broad stroke everything. You know, right. I was going to, oh, that kind of just made me think, isn't it so funny that today's military has this stigma on mental health and it's been going on since the dawn of time, you yeah, know, the war, war, the yeah. civil war, you know, um, that, you know, everybody has struggled with it, but yet here we are in modern day military and we've still got this like dark cloud that blooms over us. Yeah. And what I like to see, though, and, and I've been able to see this in my time, in your time, you actually guys had an episode on resilience, which yes. was amazing. And, and finally, the, the military kind of sees the importance of teaching folks how to cope with what they're doing, with what they're seeing, and, and trying to actually establish programs uh, more, more holistically than just saying, hey, you know, 
drink water, drive on. Right. Right. Uh, and, and that's been, that's wonderful. And, you know, war is, war is gross. And you, you look at the, the stories and the accounts of after war care, uh, specifically World War I, World War II, where there was some, uh, some truly horrific things that were witnessed. Yeah. And unless you're in the less than 1% of, of the human population, you cannot cope with what that kind of being exposed to that kind of violence. Yeah, uh, it's not something that our, our makeup is made of. And so you have to have tools in order to cope with that. And yeah. the army and I, you know, probably the Navy um, didn't have those systems in place. And now there is a, one of the greatest courses I've been to in the army has been, I, I went and uh, did the master resilience trainer course um, two weeks at the university of Pennsylvania. And it was, uh, it was absolutely wonderful and put so many tools in your kit to not only help yourself bounce back from uh, little everyday things and big life event things, but also helps you grab those folks that are in your care, your soldiers, your sailors, and, and help them equip them uh, to, to maintain and be healthy yeah. and really work. Uh, so it's a force multiplier and it's, it's wonderful. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, it's, you talk about wars gross and absolutely is hundred percent. It's, it's hell on earth. Uh, but also the waiting, Mm. that that the causes the ptsd yeah, the they waiting say. the waiting and the waiting drives somebody crazy uh just waiting for something to happen even though it may never happen while you're there but you you're under that fear or that alertness that something's about to happen so you're always on high alert and that that can be maddening too mm -hmm. exhaustive taxing on the body yes, you know our body definitely. stays at that elevated level of tension for so long um, and, and when you come down, I remember the, when we left Iraq, uh, we went to camp Virginia in Kuwait before we caught our plane home, we got to camp Virginia. We had like 30 hours before we were flying home. I found my cot and I, I lay down and I woke up 16 hours later, um, to my boss actually sitting there looking at me and I'm like, this is weird. Why are you looking at me? He's like, we're just making sure you're okay because you've been asleep for a very long time. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm starving, you know, but for the first time in, you know, 15 months, my, I felt safe enough to, for my whole body just to kind of shut down and, and recoup. And I, I had never experienced anything. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think I was stressed no. or hypertensive. Didn't feel it in the moment. I've been um, there, man. I've been there. Yeah. We pulled into port and it was kind of a stressful underway. And I remember getting home and it was, and going to bed. I went to bed probably at seven o'clock that night. And I didn't wake up till seven o'clock the next night. And I woke up, I, I, but it was a weekend, you know, everybody was on leave or a weekend. I can't remember. I didn't have to go to work. And I was so glad that I just could sleep as long as I wanted. But I didn't feel that tired until right. I laid down. And then I just, I crashed out. Yeah. And I get you. I get you. Yeah. yeah. When you, I have when this, the same exact story that you, you both are saying, because I was in Paris and mm -hmm. I got on the plane and all I remember is buckling in, saying hi to the guy next to me. And then I wake up and we're landing and everyone is hustling and bustling around. And I'm like, what is every, what is the deal? And he was like, we were on the tarmac for two hours before we ever took off. So we're late. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you slept through all the, the layover waiting, the, the waiting on the tarmac. The like I was out. <laughs> 
that was that was a unique experience and it was kind of weird to get you know and then there was the the grog kind of coming out of it because now your body has actually taken uh your body took a time out like a legit time out and uh and now you're just kind of getting everything back to back to normal again but it was that that experience was it was eye opening you know because i again you don't feel like you're you're operating at that high level of tension it just becomes an everyday thing you yeah. just absorb that, you know, okay, I, I'm in danger. I'm, I'm at threat. I need to pay attention, but it becomes that level of that heightened level of attention just becomes every day. Right. Um, and then you bring that home. And so now you're like, you're hyper attentive at home and your family's looking at you like, are you okay? Is everything like, I, I, I seriously, uh, our stupid ass garbage truck in Alaska would come at like four in the morning and they, you know, it was one of those big like dumpster <laughs> trucks, right? Oh yeah. So it picked up the dumpster, dumped it, and then it slammed the dumpster on the ground. I legit rolled out of bed and went directly underneath the bed, like I normally would have. Um, we were in Kalsu, <laughs> Iraq, so we got we got rocketed all the time, and that just right. became what we did. We just roll out of bed and crawl underneath, and uh, and so I did that, and my wife she starts laughing. She's like, what the hell are you doing under the bed? And I was like, I fucking hate the garbage man. I hate him. Like, <laughs> you're ready for you're ready for war. <laughs> it was, I couldn't I couldn't do Walmarts for like at least at least a year. Just there's too many people. It was like, oh yeah, oh, I hear you. So too much to choose from. There's so yeah. many boxes of cereal. Why are there so many types of cereal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely uh, no it, it was super weird how how that affects your body. And and good on the service for finally acknowledging that and not telling us just to, you know, uh, soldier on and, and you know, tighten up your boots. Take some Motrin and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. I, super happy to see that they've, they've taken some yeah. time. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something, dude. I knew you were, I knew you were military before I knew you were military. I listen, you know, I found your podcast before we even interacted on social media on Twitter. Right. So I was listening to it and you, you said a couple of times, in a couple of different episodes, you were like, yeah, I'm just, I'm preparing to retire. And I know you're not, I could tell by the list of you, you wasn't very old. <laughs> and I knew oh, he's probably military. And I, I just, it's, it's funny how military knows. We can military. pick each other out. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Even I didn't see you. It was a podcast and I knew you were military. Yeah. That's freaking crazy how we do that. And we don't even know we're doing it. No, we don't know. We have that sixth sense, but we do. No. We, we have a common language. We have a, you know what I mean? And that's the, the, the coolest yeah. thing is just yeah. weird. Just, uh, I don't want to use the word. Well, shit, I don't even know what the right word is here. But, you know, that that weird connection to people and you see them across the room, you just kind of like, yep, I got yeah. you. Yeah. Or yep. you hear them exactly. Talk. Even, right. Even now that half the Navy, the Navy is not allowed to go to a barber shop uh, until like, like an hour ago, uh, I still can pick out a military person because it looks like they just grew a head of hair. <laughs> it's like they're still like getting used to it <laughs> yeah they don't they don't know what's going on they don't know what to do yeah exactly them. yeah exactly exactly exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right you hey so oh you're still drinking yours jamie well i just took my second sip i thought oh, we were doing this together but I apparently killed, he's i killed mine his, so. i did the whole chewing thing uh, it was great i loved it i like that powers that's legit so jamie what what are you feeling not necessarily tasting different what what feels different about this one from the last one this if one any, now, I will. I don't know if it's because it, we're on our second glass or what, but this one seems to be a little bit smoother mm -hmm. as far as um, the way that it goes down. It it still is is hot, I guess, yeah. or what it warm, but it's not as um, it, it's not as harsh as the first one. 
it just seems a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. And um, even when I, you know, took my second uh, sip and I breathed out, it just the breath was a lot smoother. If that makes sense. I don't know. 100%. I don't know what I'm talking about, but no, <laughs> but you're, you're spot on. And what you're, the difference that you're feeling is maturity. So the very first one was about three to five years old, somewhere in there. This is 12 years old or better. So they have to label with wow. the youngest whiskey that's in there. So the youngest whiskey that they mixed in was 12 years old. 12 years is the, well, 12 to 15 years is the magic age for whiskey. That is, that is the happy place for whiskey to age. So uh, it sits in the barrel for, for 12 years. And uh, that has, that gives the barrel time to filter out a lot of the abrasive and aggressive ethanols and ethers and all those things out of that. So younger whiskeys have a tendency to be harsh and kind of sandpapery. Um, but when you get to that nice yes. softness, that, that full feeling uh, it's generally the age that has to do with that. So that's really you're spot on. And what you're tasting is a difference in maturity. So basically I'm a pro now. Yeah. I'm going to come start to come to your class. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see a whiskey you like, right, you know, this whiskey and you love this whiskey and it says 12 years on it, go ahead and buy it. Um, if, if you want to, sure. Uh, yeah, there's, there's other ways to do it. If you can find the minis and this is, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the minis. So before you go buy a full, oh, got it. Yeah. Grab, grab yourself a mini. Uh, and, and give that a shot. Uh, the minis are going to be, you know, where you don't make the mistake, which I have made a couple of times here and here and here, um, where you have a oh, okay. big bottle of stuff that you really would rather not drink <laughs> because oh, okay. although it sounds so, great, the label looks amazing. It's just awful. Right. You save it. You save a little money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you don't like it, you're not as, it's not as, uh, all right, we're gonna take a pause real quick in case we have to edit something out. Jamie's doing some stuff. Okay. Oh my bad. I was in a hurry. Cool. Let you come back and we'll carry on. He forgot to plug it. He forgot to plug in the computer. Yeah, I was in a hurry when because <laughs> I got back like right right in time to get everything hooked up and I, I was my bad. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, so uh, so if you have the opportunity to taste it, bars are a great place. I know that's kind of weird with COVID right now, but, uh, um, you know, buying a glass of whiskey, if you go to a, a good bar and trying it there, you know, it might only cost yeah. you, you know, 10 to 20 bucks as opposed to right. you know, 70 yeah. to 80 for a bottle that you would rather give away than, than drink yourself. So. Right. So, yeah, but uh, but generally older whiskeys and there's a lot of whiskeys that are older that don't have an age statement. So you got to when you look at a label, there's a whole art to a label. The the number that's on that label is the minimum age. Um, and then there are oh, non -age okay. statement labels. So there's labels that don't have any age statement at all. Doesn't mean that they're not old. Um, the words that they use on the label can help you indicate, you know, if it's if it says straight, it's at least two years old. Um, so straight whiskeys are at least a minimum of two years old, or excuse me, four years old. If they're less than that, they have to put like how old they are. It's got to be a younger oh, wow. thing. So yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of like legal rules and stuff. So you can kind of whittle down what it is that you're drinking by just looking at the label and reading the words. 
um, wow. you can get a guess. And then there's places like Wild Turkey is known for throwing in some some really awesome old whiskey into their normally bottled stuff. So just because it doesn't, right. you know, don't don't wave off. There's a lot of people that only they hunt for the numbers. They're looking for that that 12, 15, 20 year stuff. Um, there are plenty of 20 and 30 year old whiskeys that taste like a piece of wood that I would rather <laughs> not drink. Um, and then there's been some 24 month whiskeys that are phenomenal. Cool. Would clean be a way to describe? Because I, I feel uh, so. I just took my third, um, my third sip, and I chewed it, and I feel like clean. Is that or um, <laughs> no? Okay. Did you wash? No. Did you shower? No. I'm clean. I know what you're saying. That's so what I feel. Clean is a word that I use very often um for specifically for irish whiskeys because irish whiskeys are a very clean sipping whiskey we are going to taste a dirty whiskey here in just a little bit um and and you'll see the date so clean clean is right on like that's that's perfect look at you you're freaking killing the game (laughs) wow so we're gonna start a show it's called whiskey with jamie whiskey with jamie and her amazing palate (laughs) she has a very exquisite palate educated if you will (laughs) so let me there, there's a huge difference between uh, physiology uh, between men and women, right? Um, and one thing we're seeing here in America and, and in Scotland as well now, um, uh, women whiskey makers, their palates are completely different. Yeah. Um, in my top five whiskeys right now, two of them are, are made by women. Uh, the number one would be Molly Troop. She makes Freeland Spirits uh, in Oregon. Her bourbon is unreal and just because they they have the ability to pick out different flavor profiles and where you know you look at the distilleries jim beam wild turkey these these families these old guys that have been making whiskey for longer than you and i have been alive together uh, mm-hmm. you know um they make that bold rough aggressive kind of whiskey you know um versus these folks that are coming in uh silverback uh is another one uh, these, the are, they're, they're bourbons, they're whiskeys, but they are this incredible, delicate floral flavor profile that you blows you away. You're not expecting it. And, and you drink it. Uh, Lisa Wicker makes Widow Jane's. If you ever see Widow Jane on the shelves uh, at your store, pick up a bottle. You won't be upset that you did. And, uh, it's, it's unreal. She makes phenomenal whiskey. So I love the, there's sometimes where I, I really enjoy the big, bold, strong stuff. Um, but really that my palate kind of tends to the sweeter, lighter, uh, cleaner. That's why I like Irish whiskey so much uh, side of the house. So, yeah, so you, awesome. Jamie, could be tasting something completely different than both Heath and I, because physiology is a thing and, and how you, your olfactory senses are structured different. So, and we're better at sighting rifles too. I mean, look, go women. <laughs> Chick power. Yeah. I mean, you know, our clusters are tighter than men, typically, statistically speaking. So before your head gets too big, can we get a number three? Okay. <laughs> quick, get her another whiskey. So uh, real quick, while I'm pouring number three, and if you could just tell us about your passion for whiskey, because look, man, you are, I feel like I'm sitting under the knowledge tree here. You're throwing this stuff out like you and I'm sure you have a lot of years of experience so let what got what you got you started in this whiskey passion um so I came home from Iraq and my wife had bought me uh, a bottle while I was gone of Woodford Reserve and that was really the first time I 
experience whiskey. Uh, I did drink a bottle of Blanton's before that. Uh, my buddy bought that for my birthday and I mixed it with Coke. I had no idea what I was drinking at the time. It was the worst decision I ever could have made in hindsight. But uh, but the the Woodford is where it kind of started for me. And I for the very first time ever, I drank it neat. And I was like, wow, this there's more to this than what I thought. And I, from there, it just kind of went on. I, I fell in love with Jim Beam right away. That was the very first distillery I ever visited. So uh, Beam became my happy place and uh, everything from, you know, white label to Baker's. I've got the distiller's masterpiece now sitting over here. Um, the Beam family has been unbelievable whiskey makers. It's actually the nose now. Uh, Fred and his son, Freddie know are making uh, the Beam whiskey. They also make Knob Creek. Knob Creek. Uh, granddad. Yep. Um and, and a bunch of other lines, uh, bakers. If you see bakers, get a bottle of that. It's so good. It's oh, so wow. very good. But anyway, so it started with that. And a lot of it was, I was drinking whiskey and I was mixing it with, um, uh, ginger ale or seltzer waters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I just kind of stopped and was like, you know, let me, let me always, I always tasted it neat to kind of see what the whiskey did and how it felt. And then from there, I just transitioned over into, uh, and now I'm a, a primarily neat drinker, except for the summertime. If we're doing like a, a fire or a hangout, you know, barbecue or whatnot, I'll grab a mason jar, fill it up with ice, put in a couple ounces of whiskey, and then put the like a lemon lime seltzer water in there. And that'll be my my sipper for the day. So, uh, but other than that, it's, you know, it's a, a Glencairn with a couple ounces of, of whiskey neat throughout that. So I started with bourbon. Bourbon was my happy place. Uh, as you can see, the, the bar behind me is primarily bourbon. Um, just recently within the last, I'd say probably two or three years, I started kind of opening up with rise, started exploring with Irish whiskeys, getting into a lot more scotches. Now I found some, some really top notch scotches that I really enjoy and, uh, started dabbling with some Japanese whiskeys here just recently. I've only got three bottles of Japanese whiskey, but, uh, it is very close to scotch. So how's the selection over there in Massachusetts for as like, do you get Japanese whiskey in Massachusetts? Yeah. So I, I'm a hunter. I, I yeah. travel an inordinate amount. Um, and so within my state, but I also travel a lot for work. So whenever I go uh, TDY or temporary duty to right. these locations to do tests and stuff, uh, I always find time to do a, a liquor store run and I'll hit yeah. three or four stores in that town uh, because different states carry different things at different prices. So I can right. get things in Texas and Arizona way cheaper than I can get in Massachusetts. Do you ever come to Louisiana? Uh, I haven't yet. If you do, let us know. Yeah, and I, I think I've, well, yeah, I'll, I'll chat with you after this, but uh, yeah, but I'm, I may be closer or close enough at least to uh, to day trip to y'all. Cool. Here, here so, in the future. That's awesome, man. So uh, I, I feel you like, like when I started drinking whiskey, which I never was, I was a beer drinker forever and I still like beer. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I yeah. kind of lay off of because of carbs and all that, but I still drink it. I still love it. It's a passion. Uh I hang out with an uncle of mine. He liked whiskey. He was because he loved whiskey. So he, I would mix it with Coke and he would just mix it with water. Yep. And, and then I was like, well, one day I tried it. I said, it's not bad. I like it. And then Jamie bought me a bottle of Johnny Walker was a blue label. I think I Yeah, it was good, man. It's gone. Yeah. I, I kept it for about a year. That's about as long as I could hold out, but I drank it neat. I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, I started drinking some, some not, not now I'm going to tell myself, I drink Evan Williams with water. I know Evan Williams is a lower, lower shelf whiskey, but I liked it with water. 
Well, you know, he's Cajun. And, so. Yeah, pretty much anything. <laughs> it's Louisiana. So pretty much it's wet. I'll drink it. Like I told you. And and now that I, I've had some more uh, like Jameson, Irish whiskey, I drink neat. Yeah. I bought some Maker's Mart. I drink it neat. Now I'm getting more into the neat thing. That's recent. That's within the last year or less. Maker's Mark has a great story. Uh, so they're they're a weeded bourbon. Weeded bourbons tend to be sweeter, which is incredible. Uh, again, it's a, also a great uh, first time whiskey for folks, like an introductory whiskey. So uh, you don't get a lot of the the bitterness with when yeah. they and all they do is they instead of putting in rye because it's usually corn, rye, and barley, uh, mm-hmm. they put in wheat instead, and that brings out a whole different flavor nice. profile. So the guy who made Maker's for the longest time. Um, was actually uh, a graduate of the academy. He played football for wow. West Point for a few years. Uh, Dave Pickerel was his name. Um, he then left Makers and went and did some other stuff uh, around the, the Northeast there, but he was uh, another West Point grad. And the military history that is intertwined uh, in bourbon wow. is, is unreal. Bourbon and rum. Rum, yeah. yeah don't forget your sailors. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> That's true. I, yeah, I did a recording yeah. last night with uh, another Navy buddy of mine, um, uh, Jeff Norris from uh, Chuck Goes the, the Chuck Goes the Movies podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and he introduced oh, me to yeah. the very first ever bottle of rum I've ever had in my bar uh, is now here because he he said, "Hey, go grab this and we'll drink this and we'll talk." I was like, "All right, cool." So, so yeah, what last night was, last night was rum. Uh, Papa Piler, Papa Pillar. When I was uh, a real quick story, then we'll go into what we're drinking here, but. I was in England. I did a, a flyaway where I helped out a submarine in England, Plymouth, England. So when we were, we had a lot of time off. So I went and uh, toured the Plymouth Gin Factory. Ooh. Yes. But the thing about it was so awesome how they've been involved with the British Navy before the American Navy since before the Mayflower sailed. So, huh. so in the drinking room, the drinking room where you had your free cocktail after you were done with the tour, they had a, it was the place the pilgrims met right before their voyage to America. Right so up. you're talking about, they had a list of everybody on a wood, a wood engraving, everybody that was selling Mayflower in their jobs. That was, it was, I was just like, Holy cow, this is crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And rum, you know, the liquor in America really was rum that was brought up, you know, and the, the slave triangle, you know, they, yeah. they bring it up uh, from the islands. And that was really, and yeah, in New true. England, they were distilling rum uh, initially oh, wow. until there was a lot more immigration that came in. A lot of folks from England, Scotland, and Ireland, and they brought their stills with them. Oh, wow. uh, and so, and then they kind of, they kind of set up house on the Western side of Pennsylvania, what's now West Virginia and those areas, the Monongahela Valley. So the, you hear stories about the Monongahela Rye and then whiskey kind of became, whiskey took over. Uh, from rum and then there was there was also some import tax things to kind of hurt rum for a little bit there uh, in the early years of America but yeah it was rum rum was the start nice awesome so what are we drinking here Ian so this uh, is a veteran-owned distillery up in New Hampshire just north of me here Uh, Kurt or excuse me Kevin Curlin is an Air Force vet uh, served in Iraq this is the Smoky Quartz Distillery this is the V5 uh, bourbon whiskey. This is their small batch. Now this is aged 15 months. Uh, it's coming in at 90 proof. So we're actually going to take a little step down, uh, in proof from the last one, but it's incredibly, uh, less mature, I guess would be the right term to use there. So when so, I swirled it, I had very long legs on this yeah. one. 
I yeah. mean, it very long late and it's a darker color too. It is. I've been cheating. I've taken a few sips. Oh, I, I'm sorry. We're supposed I can't to help. do this together. I know. I, I suck. <laughs> I really like this, man. This is awesome whiskey. So bourbon. this is, this is all corn. Um, this is all, uh, uh, hold on. I don't want to, I want to make sure that I, I get this right because I'm the last thing I want is to not give the guy credit for his oh, stuff. Um, <laughs> so it's all organic, uh, corn. So this is actually a, a truly organic whiskey, um, grown there locally pulling up. Here we go. Um, gluten-free. There we go. That was what I was looking oh, for. Wow. All right. So for the health conscious, is, for the health conscious drinkers. Yes. This is so this it's delicious day. and nutritious and nutritious. <laughs> Thank you, Air Force. <laughs> Always thinking about the health there. I love it. So, so when I inhale it, it's a lot softer than the other two. Yep. Is that, yes. I mean, is that a word? I don't know. Soft. It's just uh, a yeah. soft, softer smell. Softer inhale. So you done the legs. You looked at the legs, right, Ian? Oh yeah. So are they moving? Are they a little less oilier than the than the Irish whiskey? It seems like it's moving a little faster down. Uh, so for mine, um, I would say no. I, okay. So I'm seeing a move uh, a lot slower. This is, uh, I, I like to use the word gooey. This is okay, a gooey whiskey. Okay. Yeah, that's why I said my legs are long. They, I they mean, are. they they take a long yeah. way down. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so light uh, with Irish whiskeys and a lot of your scotches, you'll see instead of the legs running necessarily down the glass, it'll kind of bead up in a line around mm -hmm. the top there. So this is definitely running. This is running slow. So you should expect kind of a full mouthfeel to, to this whiskey. So one time real quick, can you remind us on how to do the first sip just for our listeners? So the first sip, uh, all we're doing is getting our mouth ready for okay. uh, for the flavors that are coming in the second and third. So uh, we don't want to let it sit for a long time. We don't want right. to move it around too much. So we're just going to run it front to back okay. over our tongue and uh, right. down the hatch. <clears throat> so real quick. So on a scale to one to that, 10, how, how drunk are you right now, Jamie? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, give, me a, give me a number. I know okay. you're... On a scale of one to 10, I swirled this and spilled it on my legs. So, okay. <laughs> so what did we give that a six? Is that a seven? I would say six. I would say a nine. <laughs> All right. We'll give it a hot seven. Go ahead. Yeah. That's where I'm at. No, but it's still, I mean, it, it's a lot, I, I would say cleaner, but yeah, it, but good. it still gives you that little bit of like. <clears throat> burn. Yeah. We call that stank in the South. <laughs> yeah, put some stank on it. <laughs> So a lot of the, the edginess, the, the heat that you're getting um, has to do with age. Okay. Um, so a lot of that's coming that it hasn't, you know, the, the interaction of the distillate with the barrel hasn't had the time to kind of knock out that stuff. So this one would be a little more edgier, um, which might translate to heat, which might translate to the burn or whatever um, that you're feeling because it's, it's just younger. Uh, a lot of these smaller distil distilleries try to, uh, they try to, I don't know, make the aging process faster by using smaller barrels. Yeah. So the whiskey gets more contact time with the barrel. Um, and really the, the barrel is what, especially with bourbons and rice, the, the barrel is what drives the flavor. So the environmental impacts around the barrel and then the barrel itself, how it's charred, whether it's toasted, um, how long the, the whiskey kind of uh, sits. And in 
places that have a lot of environmental diversity, meaning uh, super cold winters, super hot summers, Kentucky. Yeah. That's why Kentucky is one of the best places for whiskey is yeah, because yeah. they have super cold winters. They have super hot summers. So in the wintertime, well, let's start with the summer. In the summertime, the fibers of the wood open up and the whiskey moves into the wood of the barrel. In the wintertime, yeah. all those fibers, they close back down and they push all that whiskey back into the barrel. So, so over years and years, you know, there's also evaporation and a bunch of other stuff that happens, but the whiskey's moving in and out of that wood. So it's pulling in a lot of the vanillins, the, you know, it's interacting with the char, the char is kind of taking out a lot of the ugly stuff that we don't want to drink necessarily. Um, but it's all about movement in and out of that wood. And, and that's really where you get a lot of the characters and flavors from your, your whiskeys, especially bourbons, because they have to go into brand new oak every single time. Cool thing about Irish whiskeys and scotches is they can reuse barrels however they want, whenever they want. There's no rules. Um, but for, uh, for American whiskeys, they have to go into a new oak barrel every single time. Now, I would say if this one did not have that young bite to it, I probably could just drink kill, this one. Just kill the bottle. Just drink it out of the bottle. Yeah, you know, um, because it would be, it, it's very flavorful. I mean, yeah, well, great. I mean, I don't know. We've only had one, one taste, but it's no, just good. Had, it's I good. Almost whole glass. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jamie, when you do the chew on this one, let me know uh, if, if there's any difference. Okay. It, hey, I go ahead and do your well, thing. Let, me, chew let it. me get my second sip in. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm way behind. I'm like on my fifth, but when I'm I chewed it, <laughs> when I chewed it, I tasted it burned a little more, but it was good. I didn't, it didn't bother me. It was a good burn, but yeah. it was more than the, uh, the Irish whiskeys we had before. Yeah. And, and also with this, you should get a lot more caramel and vanilla. Yes. Uh, yes. In, influence. I'll, I'll give it the word influence, not flavor necessarily. Uh, and a lot of that has to do again, um, with the corn that they're using instead of the, the barley that, you know, with the Irish whiskeys that you're drinking. So the corn adds a lot more sugar profile. You'll see like yeah. cake flavors, you know, a lot of the, yeah, yeah. Those, like uh, cornbread kind of stuff kind of comes out. Yeah. I kind of tasted corn. Like, cornbread oh. is big right now. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. No, I actually kind of tasted. Uh, so I took my second sip oh, okay. um, and kind of tasted the, the corn or cotton is, I don't know. I, I haven't eaten cotton, cotton in a while, so I don't remember what it tastes like. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to let you guys tell me what cotton tastes like. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I grew up next to a, a cotton field that turned into a cornfield that they would go back right. and forth on it. So, right. uh, you know, I guess I've eaten a couple of cotton. Well, fields. I grew up not too far. I've never eaten it though. <laughs> I've never tried. And I was a fat kid, so who was advised we eat cotton? Something it'd been me. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> hey, so, so, uh, what do you think? How many years do you think you're going to do? Uh, 22. Uh, we're kind of already, yeah, we're in the, we're in the wind down process. Um, when I came, when I took this job, I told my boss, I'd give him two working years and then, uh, one transition year. So, cool. uh, when I, when I, you know, punch out, it'll be, uh, it'll be 22 years of service. Nice. Nice. That's awesome, man. So what's your, what's your pay grade right now? So, uh, for army terms, uh, sergeant first class E seven, E seven sergeant first class. So in the army, you know, it's uh, I'm not sure what it is in the air force and the navy. That's a chief petty officer. Yep. And uh, in the marine corps, uh, it's a gunny gunnery sergeant. Yep. Yeah. 
So on this third sip that I just took, I would say clean again. It's clean, man. I, I agree with that. I like that. That and. But I know you said that's an Irish thing. So am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Um, remember, you can't be wrong uh, because what you're tasting is what you're tasting. And um, so clean, I would maybe uh, with when it comes to bourbons, uh, this I would definitely say that for me personally, this is a little bit uh, dirtier. And by dirty, I mean, it sits heavier on my tongue than mm -hmm. Irish whiskey does. So the Irish whiskey kind of rolls over uh, pretty quick and, and easy. This kind of sits and hangs out for a little bit longer. Um, okay kind of leave some residual flavors along the way. So that's, that's what I would translate it as being uh, a little dirtier. Okay. Is what I, would. I really like it. I like, it's good. I really like the powers. I like this one. I've liked everything I've drank so far. So maybe what I interpret as clean is more of the proof, like the, um, al the alcohol part it. of it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Might so just so everybody who's listening knows, I told uh, Ian, I was like, I want the Powers Gold. Everything else is bartender's choice because his his list was so big, I just went overload. So I was like, man, uh, Ian, you you tell me. <laughs> and he told me, I told him what I kind of liked and he sent it. And so far he's been spot on. I've liked every one of these so far. Wow. I mean, really liked every one so far. One of the fun things has been uh, taking non-whiskey drinkers uh, or or new whiskey drinkers and really kind of showing them the differences that there are available to them uh, for whiskey. So you got folks that are, you know, they like, they like the sweet whiskeys. Okay, cool. So let's go, I'll go grab, you know, four or five bottles of, of sweet whiskeys and we'll, we'll taste through those. So where, where do you like these? How do you like these? And, you know, rate them and, and knowing how they're made, um, what their, their chemical breakdown is or what their, you know, their, their ingredient breakdown is, you can really kind of tailor what you like. Uh, and once you find out, um, you find a brand, you get that brand, how do they make it? What do they use? There's a lot of brands that make very similar things, some better, some not so much. And, um, and you can really niche whiskey and people, you know, whiskey is whiskey. Well, no, that's not the case. There's, it, it is incredibly diverse. And even across the country, um, a bourbon that comes out of Florida doesn't taste like a bourbon that comes out of Kentucky, um, a mm -hmm. Texas whiskey doesn't taste like anything that's made in Oregon. Um, environmental impacts, uh, how they store the whiskey, uh, all these things come into play and, and it's not the same. They're all very different. They're very unique and you can really hone in what you like about it. And then you can find multiple brands, multiple labels that have, you know, stuff along that same line and um, really kind of just collect uh, the flavors that you really enjoy. So I have a question real quick. Sorry, Heath. No, I know good. you wanted to say something, but uh, Heath and I used to be into wine and we would go to all these different wineries and we tasted a wine one time that was uh, aged in a French barrel. And at the end of that wine, it was a butter it flavor. Like you were drinking butter. It was um, wonderful. Is there anything that whiskey wise would be aged similar or I don't know, like, um, with a buttery taste there's there's quite a few uh so rye okay. whiskeys um are are going to be they're going to give you that that butter um and i'll i'll shoot you over a list here when we're done uh right off the awesome. get-go uh new riff um so if you can find new okay. riff uh rye whiskey that's going to be um 
that'll get you there. And then uh, there's there's a bunch <laughs> others. I, I wanted to, to give you at least one name on the show, uh, and I'll shoot yeah. you a list uh, once yeah. I have a chance to kind of go through uh, my notes and get you. Now that I know that butter's a thing, um, yes, we can absolutely get you there. And rye whiskeys get that that real bread doughy kind oh, of cool. uh, kind of feel and flavor. So, well, absolutely, that's awesome because that stuff was like butter. I I, I forgot so about good, that. Right? Yeah, that was at the Becker's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becker uh, winery, winery in Texas. You know, I'm I'm from Texas, so Texan. if I talk slow, I only get slower the more I drink. So, do you know <laughs> that how hard it is to hear how great everything is in Texas? It's true. I have spent a lot of no, time. But, no, but here, so I I can hear. I feel you. <laughs> if if you're listening and you're like, man, she is just talking slow. Well, guess what? The more I drink, the slower it gets, people. Hi, <laughs> uh, y'all. I'm from Texas. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's jump into number four. Are y'all ready to jump into number four? I don't want to rush. Yeah, up. I am. You ready, Ian? Yeah. So do you guys have uh happen to have okay. like a water uh nearby? No, no, but we need should we go grab some? If if you can grab just a little bit of water, uh swish around in your glass. Uh, before we get into number four, because number four is kind of fun. Okay, awesome. On this, on this, uh, we'll take a break for uh, hear from a word from our sponsors, and I'll get some water. Welcome back to the E14 Podcast with my friend Ian from the Wild Whiskey Podcast. So I want to just let everybody know, Ian, please confirm that Jamie is a champ right now. Oh, she's she's a beast. Uh, she's handling a lot of very uh, robust whiskeys and in uh, maintaining. Okay, so let's get into it because we, uh, I didn't realize how much I was drinking. Um, And so these are two ounce bottles that you sent us. So Heath and I are each putting away an ounce per tasting, which is, I mean, pretty much, and and we've only been gone for an hour. So So she wore, she's wearing a hoodie right now that says beautiful badass. So is she really a badass? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so she's not slurring. She's not, uh, you know, she's not like leaning on her mic. You know, you're not holding her hair back. Like, no, this is somebody who doesn't drink whiskey to be three ounces in and be taking it like this is I'm impressed. You're awesome. Because I'm a sailor. There you go. I got to be anything. (laughs) So we're going to get into uh, number four. But as I pour in, if you could tell us what got you in the podcast, because, dude, you got a great voice for it. I love your show. So please, what? What got you into podcasting? Uh, so I I knew uh, my time with the military was coming to an end, and I needed to start building some form of portfolio uh, for when I leave the army because I, I want to work in in whiskey and I want to work in history. So uh, the end goal would be to be a corporate historian for one of the big distilleries, and that's going to take time and and I have to show them I've got to build. Uh, a reputation in the community before I'll even get looked at to come in the door. So, so really podcasting was the place where I could do all three things. Um, I could dive into, you know, nerd out uh, as it's called uh, (laughs) on history. Uh, I could drink whiskey while I do it and I can, you know, uh, build uh, credibility on, on both, you know, realms. I can, if I I research well enough, I put the the content together um, and I can present uh, things that maybe people um, haven't heard, of, you know, uh, stuff that's out there. I'm not, I'm not bringing anything new to the table, um, but maybe just slice elements of stories that uh, aren't as popular as others and getting it out there and kind of showing that I have the ability to communicate well and uh, maybe 
you know, eventually start doing tours and all that kind of stuff with, uh, with one of the big whiskey companies. So that's, that's really why I started. And then pandemic kicked off and uh, I had a lot of time and a microphone. And so <laughs> I went to work and a lot of whiskey and a lot of whiskey. <laughs> so one of the great things they, they lifted, uh, the, um, the, see now the whiskey's getting to me now. They lifted uh, a lot of the, the bans on shipping alcohol for the mm-hmm. pandemic. So, so yes, all of a sudden now I could reach out to these distilleries that I couldn't before and be like, Hey, wow. can you send me a bottle of that? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. You know? And, and so, <laughs> so yes, my, my collection wow. grew, uh, quite, uh, exponentially during the pandemic. So you made lemon lemonade out of lemons. Yes. <laughs> so or, I got a question. Though. Manhattan's. Right. Right. So when you, when you make it big, right. In the history biz, you're going to quit podcasting. No. Good, good, man. Because you know we need we need you. We need people like you here in the in the biz, because I enjoy the hell out of your show. It is awesome. I the connections with people has been the absolute most rewarding thing. I've met you know some of the most great people from such. I know I've used the word a lot tonight, but such a diverse background. Um, you know, from all walks of life, and everybody's willing to come in. They're willing to drink. They're willing to talk. And just sharing uh, their story. The the I did a episode um, uh, with Aaron, and oh, see, this is so bad. Their names, God damn it. Anyway, it's okay uh, because former, we're three we're three uh, whiskeys in. So I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm I'm half drunk. <laughs> Daniel, Aaron, Aaron, and Daniel. Uh, former they they had just uh, left the Mormon Church. So we did a, a an episode uh, on the history of the Mormon Church. Uh, so I, I brought the academic side of it. They brought the story from inside the church and wow. uh, it was, uh, it was unreal. And I met them at a wedding, just a random wedding. And we started That's chatting and I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, no. And, and so they came on and they shared their story and it was, you know, connections like that. And then, you know, uh, connections with you guys is, is phenomenal. And listening to a, a sister service, uh, yeah. the, uh, is it gaining the anchor? no. Oh, chasing that. Chasing, anchor. chasing the, anchor. the anchor. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. So listening. The gaining to- would have been a better yeah. play on words, but yeah, that's good. Anchor. Thank you for just making me just throw out everything I wanted <laughs> to do. God, I'm such a loser. Not at all. <laughs> but when, I, I hear Army speak, and I hear the a lot of that same stuff uh, on the Army side of the house. So it's been it's been really great to kind of listen to. Uh, the differences in services because the Navy, I, the Air Force is kind of easy to get. Uh, the Marines, you throw a box of crayons at them and they're they're true, fine. True, um, they love crayons. Yes, and, bless yeah. their hearts. <laughs> but the Navy is this complex, weird, multi-layered thing. Uh, your rank structure uh, varies rates. I don't even know what that means. You know, so uh, <laughs> yeah. trying to get into get into that and to hear, you know, a, a senior non-com uh, share that wisdom in such yeah, a public yeah. forum. Uh, open to everybody and anybody is is fantastic and i really i I really appreciate the fact that you're you know you're not only doing this to to podcast right you're doing this to to make those around you in your branch of service better and that's absolutely commendable so as you know senior senior enlisted guy to senior enlisted guy senior enlisted uh uh, female lady that's our job yeah Mm -hmm. that's 100 our job that's why we get paid to, to lift up the junior guys to, to replace us one day, right? And build a dynasty. And build a dynasty. Build a dynasty. 
That's right. That's why the Navy and the Army has been around for so long because people have done that. So without further ado, what are we drinking? Uh, well, you guys are going to be drinking. If I, I can't seem to get the bottle open, it's a little stuck right <laughs> you, can, you can watch us live vicariously through our eyes. Oh, I'm going to be so upset if I have to rip <laughs> this thing off. Um, so uh, the oldest distillery in New York City uh, is currently, uh, it was the first distillery to come back after Prohibition. It started in 2010. Uh, that's that's the joke. They were oh, the wow. first to come back. So David Haskell and uh, Colin Spolman start this thing. It's called Kings County Distillery. They are Kentucky boys who are moonshiners. They started making moonshine, went to college in New York, started bringing their moonshine to the parties. It got crazy. Everybody started loving it. So like, okay, we need to go legal because if we don't, we're going to get like in prison for a very long time. <laughs> So they go legal. They start Kings County Distillery. It's in Brooklyn. It's actually, uh, and this is the reason I, I picked this one for you guys specifically. So it is in 2012, the distillery moved into the Paymaster Building in the historic Brooklyn Navy Yard. So nice. go to Brooklyn uh, and their, their facility is absolutely gorgeous it's these old buildings it's it's incredible so uh i figured we'd, we'd throw in a little navy connection I like uh, that in there for for y'all and i'm still gonna fight this bottle oh i got it oh so for our sailors out there this is dark it's yeah. not there's i wouldn't even say there's legs it's a wall coming down yeah, <laughs> it, it, is, is, it is a wall it looks this shit looks tough <laughs> right. that's so, the first time you've cussed on on air all right, so this is uh, a straight bourbon whiskey. Um, it is four years old. It is a weeded bourbon. So uh, remember, it's uh, corn, wheat, and barley instead of rye. Okay. So it would probably be a little bit sweeter. This is a single barrel selection from my local store here. Uh, they, they find the best barrels of the stuff, and this is no exception to that rule. Um, this is by far the most potent thing that we are going to be putting in our mouths. This yes. Season. This comes in at 66.5 abv Ooh. is uh 122 proof or 120 excuse me oh. I, I could tell all of that from the swirl i mean she could tell from the legs yeah there's no legs <laughs> it's a wall about. coming down <laughs> oh my goodness so this this is hot uh this is very hot but <laughs> Uh, the layers on this, the flavor layers are, are pretty intense. So uh, take your time with this one. And uh, what I would encourage if you have uh, water available, maybe a drop or two in there um, uh, to just to kind of see where it goes and, uh, and enjoy. So, uh, so from the Navy Yard in Brooklyn, this is Kings County. Cheers, friends. Cheers. Not to brag, I am a senior chief in the Navy and I can take this. My goodness, my <laughs> nose is burning. Oh, wow. That, that got some stank on it, as we it's, say in the South. That, that'll hit you hard. Oh, that's good, though, man. I like it. That one, yeah. that one will get you. Um, if you ever come across an Elijah Craig barrel proof, uh, definitely pick those up. They, they're, they're great. They launch them three times a year. Each batch is different. Uh, it's a high proof whiskey that doesn't drink like a high proof whiskey. And then that's one that you can add water to, and it just becomes candy in your glass. Yeah. Wow. It's phenomenal, but uh, dilute a little bit, right. And it becomes candy. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's tough. Uh, we don't have water. Um, typical sailors, right. We don't have water. 
<laughs> but it is i love it though it's it, got good flavor you know this the same way that it falls down your glass is the same way that it goes down i would say long and slow and with yes. with higher proof whiskeys uh the first time i did like a really high proof whiskey it was uh uh it was bookers and i remember I, I put it in my mouth, but immediately I couldn't feel anything on my tongue, but it felt like my entire mouth was just full of stuff. It wasn't mm -hmm. at all. It was a small sip, right. um, but just that those alcohol vapors and that, yeah. all that stuff made my mouth feel like it was just completely full. Um, and it was like, it was like, what the hell is happening to my body right now? Yeah. Um, and it, it takes time. And that's why you, you want to start on the low end and work your way up to this. This would definitely be something that uh, you don't want to start with. I would say it almost pairs to heartburn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I like it. It's got a lot of good flavor, though. I taste. I got a little caramel in there. Mm -hmm. Is that wrong? I don't know. I haven't. You can't seen, be wrong. We haven't drank right. no, our, our second shit. Our second. Our second. I, I drank my second. Our second I sip. I already yeah. did. Oh. Tell you, you're you're slacking, baby. <laughs> mm. So when you chew this one, Jamie, th this one should light your mouth up a little bit. So I'm not to the chew yet. I was on my second one. Well, and I taste cinnamon. You know, Excellent. Ian, is I, that, is that it? Yes, absolutely. When I, when I took that chew, I just chewed my, I can't breathe in too hard or I'll come. <laughs> that stuff's tight. Oh, it's tough. So Whew. yeah, I'm on my second sip. I tasted cinnamon and hmm. I want to say butter, but no, that, is I, that got, right? I got a little bit of butter. No, I can see that. So consistency wise, uh, it might feel like a uh, yeah. buttery, like yeah. it might feel more than butter than taste like butter. So that's, that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. So their bottles are super cool. Um, oh, wow, that's like awesome. old school medicine bottles. With they these do little, these little labels, like apothecary bottles of poison, you know, for our <laughs> listeners out there, this bottle is awesome. It looks just like, like Ian said, a medicine bottle. Yeah, they should like, put a skull and crossbones on it. Right. Or you got some guy in 1902 trying to sell some potions on the streets and it's going to yeah. cure everything. I So they, they make the 275s and the 275s fit perfectly in your back pocket. So I've got I've got a couple of them like sitting right up on the shelf right over here. They're awesome. Uh, when you're so, strolling through the park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at west point they'd have these awesome uh summer concert things right there on the this the oh, river yeah. right on the hudson and nice. yeah i know just slide that in the back pocket and, and sip and listen to the band play and it was all right fun. jam out yeah, hey yeah. if you ever get a hold of their owner or their marketing rep tell them i said skull and crossbones put it right dead center <laughs> we got t we got tm that shit no. <laughs> sink their bones to davy jones that is uh serious yeah this stuff is good man i mean it's strong don't get me wrong but it's got some good flavors mm -hmm. yeah it's it is aggressive they they have a, a beautiful lineup of whiskeys as well so you can they make this incredible uh chocolate whiskey they have their bottled and bond is my favorite of theirs um four years old it's 100 proof so it's significantly lighter than this and uh, it, it sips great. And they are a very grain forward whiskey. And so this one isn't really a, a, an adequate or not, that's the wrong word, an accurate depiction of their normal lineup. Right. So grain forwards um, mean you're tasting a lot more of the, the grain is, is much more present. So the corns, mm -hmm. the rise, those things really stand out. Their empire rye whiskey, 
will knock your socks off. It is uh, so good. Oh, it is so good. You know, right. Ian, just so you know, man. So there's this, I told you about the Facebook page, Veterans Whiskey Club. Yep. So I name dropped you already. <laughs> so I, they know that we're doing this podcast right now. And I'm going to drop it to him because these guys are ridiculously crazy, ridiculously crazy about whiskey. They love their whiskey. I, I mean, I've never had a been on a page that posted so much. They are into it, and that's awesome. I love, I love looking at it, and I can't wait for them to hear this. I think they're gonna really enjoy it. So I have a question, Ian, because back in so I I'm not a whiskey drinker, and I'll tell you why. Back in my young sailor days. I was at a bar with a bunch of other sailors and this guy from Tennessee decided that we were all going to shoot Jack Daniels and hot or neat or whatever you want to call it in a shot glass. That is the worst shot I have ever taken in my life. I thought I was going to throw up. Um, and I don't want you to, to, to bad mouth them because they're a huge brand, but where, where are we? Um, tasting wise versus the ever uh, popular Jack Daniels whiskey, Tennessee whiskey. So we're, we're close. So the Tennessee whiskey, the difference between a Tennessee whiskey and a, and a bourbon, right. Is Mm -hmm. uh, the Lincoln County process. Um, They, they double mellow their whiskey over maple charcoal. So they take their distillate off the still and then they filter it through maple charcoal, um, before they put it into the barrels and that's that's the lincoln county process so uh one thing that does do and you can taste it so if you got like a jim beam white label and a jack daniels black label you taste them side by side that clean note that you're tasting would definitely be present in jack daniels that would be a thing so it, it is a little bit more filtered um we are uh in a uh we're playing the same game but we're in a different ballpark um, so, okay. so people who do shots of whiskey, like legit do shots of whiskey, um, need a hug and a taxi, uh, because <laughs> they're, they're whatever's going on with them at that moment, they need to go home. Um, so, uh, so I, for me personally, I can't do shots of whiskey. I just, it's, it's too much. Uh, and it, it fries you. So if you were to do a shot of something that's 95 proof or higher, um, you're done tasting stuff for the rest of the evening. Cause you're just, you're just going to melt your whole palate. So, um, uh, so Jack Daniels makes some unbelievable stuff. Their, their gold label, their Sinatra is, uh, it's fantastic. Um, and very comparable to the V5 that we drank as far as, uh, consistency. A lot of the flavors are very similar. Um, and it's, uh, it's a 90 proof. So it's not, it's not like crazy hot, but it's enough to, to let you know that you're drinking something. Uh, that's, now, that's- you did an episode on old blue eyes, didn't you? Sure did. Yep. I'm Frank Sinatra. Um, so cool story. I'm from a very, very, very small town in Texas. In I, mean, Texas. I mean, we got a four way stop and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but Fine. one of the girls from that, um, that town or my town, Bowling, Texas, married Frank Sinatra's son. Can you believe that? No shit. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes. I mean, from Bowling, Texas, I mean, which is about uh, an hour south of Houston on some back country roads, 
uh, you know, maybe not paved or whatever, but <laughs> from a little bitty town, I mean, we have like one four-way stop is, is our it. main, yeah, a, that's it. They don't have a red light. We got a blinking red light. Yeah, yeah, a blinking red light. Um, but yeah, one of the girls and, and I just thought that was so neat, you know, but anyway, you said Sinatra. So that made me think of that. <laughs> super, super small world. And it's, it's fun. And it, so he, he was a huge Jack Daniels fan and they, they actually Jack Daniels put out the, the Sinatra blend specifically for him. Uh, you know, it's the, it's older, it's, you know, it's more, uh, they use the word smooth. I don't, I don't really like that word with whiskey. Um, um, the, the flavor profile is very distinct and it's very, very different. So also their single barrels, the Jack Daniels single barrels are, are fantastic. If you're going to play with Tennessee whiskeys, I would recommend you start there. Um, maybe not the barrel proof one, but they're, they're single barrel uh, whiskeys and they're single barrel. Well, Tennessee whiskeys and then their rye whiskeys are really, really great. Um, the black label, the normal Jack Daniels you see should be mixed with something. <laughs> you all right over there <laughs> sorry i chewed the i chewed the last uh it's tough right the last sip it's intense it's strong but it's good wow you're gonna be okay so while you're recovering i, I have a question for you and so <laughs> so bourbon let's talk about bourbon so bourbon <laughs> is it true you hear the statement can it only be made in kentucky no uh it can be made okay. it, it can only be made in america but it, it okay. is not exclusive to Kentucky. Uh, a lot of people think that because a lot of the, your, your biggest bourbon brands are based in Kentucky. And that is due to uh, a lot of proximity to grain and the limestone water that's there. And then the, the uh, ecological diversity, the difference in seasons um, is okay. prime for making great bourbon. So bourbon really is the, the primary rules. Um, it has to be 51% corn or better, uh, can only be made in the States has to go into, uh, the barrel at, uh, no hotter than 125. And then there's, uh, wow. there, well, there's a whole bunch of other, uh, technical rules, but wow. no, it can be made anywhere in America. In America. So the continental U S or does it count Alaska and Hawaii? So yes, they would count those. So you could make okay, cool. in, in Alaska right. or Hawaii. Okay. Okay, cool. How you yeah. feeling, baby? Oh, I'm, I'm done. Do you mean finish it? Can I finish your glass? <laughs> yeah, you can. Oh, so I get to finish. <laughs> so so the I got, no, I got through the whole three sips. She, she I just want to say did. that. She, I mean, this, I so mean un... this is residual backwash. I'm, I'm going to drink Jamie's backwash. <laughs> it's not backwash. But it's, it's, it's only a little bit left. Yeah. I love when you go I, on. I did. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Ian. When you go on tours, uh, a lot of times they'll let you like stick your finger in stuff and touch stuff, and you always see. Oh people, yeah, they, they get a little weird. They're like, oh, like I don't want to do that. Like you, you, they touched it, they put their fingers there. Like, eh, that's that, that's literally like 140 proof. So anything that was on their fingers is now dead, and you're good. So like whenever I go <laughs> right, to right, right, you always see the weird the weird germaphobes. I'm just like, oh no, I'll, I'll stick my finger in anything. Let me taste all of that stuff. I'm, you know, let me. Let me do it. <laughs> I'm an army. I'm immune to sh everything. You can't get me with For real. For real. Yeah. So if, if the things I, I ate on deployment didn't freaking kill me, then uh, then I'm good to go. Yeah, because what you ate on deployment probably looked back at you. What are you doing? Yeah. And sometimes. Yeah. Just, no. you know, yeah. 
Well, man, we're done with this, man. I, dude, thank you so much. Thank you for, so much for being sending us this and being so awesome with us. And 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 you were one of the first people that reached out to me uh, after we started this. And you've been awesome. I appreciate everything. And thank you for all the knowledge you dropped on us. And and just how just being awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure's all mine, guys. This is this is awesome. Uh, I love talking to, to service members. I love talking to vets. I love uh, hanging out with uh, with folks uh, just in general. And drinking whiskey is even better. So this really has been quite enjoyable. Thanks, and Jamie, you're you're awesome. A little water, <laughs> a little water, it. a little water, and some Motrin would probably be a be a good idea. After this. <laughs> we got you, absolutely, we got you. Eight hundred milligram. So please, before before we kick off, I'd like you to uh, give us give us a little information about your podcast. Please give us a plug. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, every other Friday, uh, I drop uh, episodes. Uh, can vary between whiskey topics, history topics, whatever. Uh, it's a, a history podcast with a whiskey problem or a whiskey podcast with a history problem. We'll let you figure that out. Um, but that's that's <laughs> us. That's what we do. Well, I say you never have a whiskey problem, so you must have a history problem. Must have. <laughs> <laughs> so drop us your handle so we can get a hold of you or our view or our listeners can uh check you out sure uh why whiskey podcast on instagram i'm whiskey why uh whiskey underscore why on twitter uh and then uh you can find me on pretty much every podcast platform that's uh, that's out there awesome now would you like to leave us with one tip for someone who may be looking to get into whiskey or maybe a whiskey drinker that needs to know more would you like to live leave us with something there's a lot of people that will give you a lot of information and tell you what to drink um don't necessarily follow them if if you see something weird and new on the shelf grab it and give it a go. There's so many incredible craft distilling companies out there right now. The little guys are making phenomenal stuff. They just don't get the billing that the big companies do. So, uh, so a lot of the big companies are going to push their stuff. Uh, try, try that weird bottle that you see sitting on the shelf. Awesome. Thank you for that. And don't go away because we won't talk after this. So <laughs> also check us out at uh, ETAC E-14 podcast. On, on Facebook, uh, Facebook. Uh-huh. we're on every forum for podcasts at E14 podcast, E14 podcast. And with that, we wish you fair winds and following seas. <laughs>